This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Um, so this is a very cute story that that um, the rabbi. That's how I got to know this rabbi, Rabbi Ginsburg from Minnesota. It was written in um, it was written in the Ated. So he wrote this story. So there was this little boy who was really, really aggravating his teacher. He was totally ADD. He was jumping all over the place. And the Rebbe was really, really upset. And he went to the principal and said, I cannot teach if this kid's in my class. And they called down the parents and they said, we have to let him go. We have to send him out of yeshiva. He's jumping from one chair to the other. And, and he's disturbing the whole class. Not only he's disturbed, the class is disturbed. We have to do something. But we'll make you a deal. If you, send him to, if you take him to a psychiatrist, a child psychiatrist, and he gets medication, then we'll let him stay if, if the medication works. Okay? So they went to the psychiatrist and he gave him Adderall for his ADHD. And, but they knew that if you're going to tell the kid it's medicine, kids are very scared of medicine. He'll never take it. So they came up with this master plan. The Rebbe is going to ask this boy, I think he was a fifth grader, maybe a sixth grader, he's going to ask this boy every day to make him a coffee. And the Rebbe is going to tell him that for making the coffee, you get a candy, and we're going to give him this Adderall as a candy, and he'll swallow it, chew it, whatever he has to do. So... They figured that way he'll think it's a candy and he'll take it, he'll drink it, he'll, he'll swallow it. So, this is going on for a month. And after a month, the principal calls in the Rebbe and he says, so how's that boy that, you know, you had problems with, how's he doing? He says, I want to tell you, you know, I am, I am so right when I, when I make a call like this, I am so right. Ever since he's on medicine, not only is he behaving, the whole class is behaving. I know what I'm talking about. So the principal called up the parents. He said, I want to thank you for listening to me. He went to the doctor. He's taking his medicine. Baruch Hashem. Kid comes home. Father calls him over to him. He says, you know, I hear fantastic things about you. I hear that you're doing great in class. And the whole class is behaving now. And I'm very, very, very proud of you. And um, I heard that you make the Rebbe a, a coffee every single day. And that he gives you a candy. That's amazing. So the kid says to his father, Tati, I have to tell you a secret. He says, what? He says, I really love my Rebbe. He says, I know, I know. So I decided that every day I'll put the candy in his coffee. <laughs> when, when I read this story, I was like, wow. So the Rebbe needed the Adderall, not the kid. And, and all of a sudden, the kids were great, the class was great, everything else was great. I'm like, Rabbi Ginsburg, you are my man. I need to find you. And... Um, Baruch Hashem, we found him, and now he's teaching here. He'll be giving shirim here. We're very, very excited that he's part of Ornava and Ataras Nava. All right, this week's Pasha. Actually, it's the first time this week I'm speaking about this Pasha. I've been very busy with Yosef HaTzadik in last week's Pasha. But, of course, this week's Pasha talks about Moshe Rabbeinu. So, I've spoken many times about Moshe Rabbeinu. So, I want to, I want to go to a little bit to the beginning before he came into this world, so we know that, that Paro said that um, he saw in the stars that a boy was going to be born that's going to overthrow him. So he said all the boys need to be thrown into the into the Amsif. The girls will remain alive. And Yocheved, Moshe Rabbeinu's mother, and Amram, his father, separated because they didn't want to have a child that's going to end up being thrown into the Nile River. Along came Miriam, and got them back together. Very interesting. I don't have the name. I want. I didn't come from my house. But the Targum Yonason says that when Amram separated from Yocheved because they didn't want to have children, because they didn't want the child 
to be thrown into the that that Amram remarried and had, I believe, two children. And it says the actual names of those two children. So really, on a quiz, Moshe Beno, Aaron, and Miriam had a half half two brothers that were half brothers. Nobody knows this. It's in, it's in the Targum Yannison. And I think that where it says that Eldad and Medad, later on, the Eldad and Medad, they were talking about Moshe Rabbeinu, that they, that was these two children that came from Amram. And they asked Akasha, but if you divorce someone and then you remarry, you can't remarry that person. So how could he remarry Yochavet? Can't remarry his wife. He can't remarry his wife. If a man is married to a woman... I don't think I don't think so I don't think so I don't believe he can marry remarry his wife after he's married I'm not sure because I, I think this kasha was asked and I think the territory of the kasha was that they weren't in Eretz Yisrael and they only kept the mitzvahs at that point only if you were in Eretz Yisrael why did he bring why did he bring why did he get remarried so it could be that it was Yochevet that was that was against bringing children it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting target because we know, we know he had two, bro- he had Miriam and he had Aaron. That's what he, that's what it says. It's, it's not really, you know, a target of you can't throw it in, you know, you can't throw it away. That's what he says. It's a, it's a, I didn't know about it. Somebody asked me two years ago, do you know Moshe Abeno had other brothers? I'm like, Aaron? No, he had other brothers? I'm like, no, he didn't. He says, yes, he did. I'm like, no, he didn't. And, uh, then he showed it to me. It's a very target of Okay. Anyway, so, so Moshe Abeno, um, came into this world. It says that Kitaiv, he was good. He was born with a brismila. He was born with an R. He was definitely different. He was he was put into the Nile River, and Batya, or they and they said the Medrash Bisya. She's actually called Bisya. Um, my daughter, but she had one Rebbe that used to call her Bisya. Her name was Batya, but she's called Bisya. So, so um, very very beautiful. Batya was is a very big lesson. Baskar, she was called Batya probably because by her father because he thought he was God. Right, Paro thought he was God, so he was called Baska, the daughter of God. But um, it was very interesting how she reacted to the to the um, tenor, to the, the the little boat that he was put in. That she saw it and she knew that it was a Jewish person in there. And it says that all the girls that were with her told her that's a Jewish person; it has to be killed. And that it, it brings down the measures also that they were all killed, except for one, one maidservant, because. Even though she was also against saving Moshe Rabbeinu, but Hashem for a Malka, right, she has to have a servant. She cannot be left alone. So Hashem left this one servant alone, but that, that Batya did something, and I think that, um, it's, it's a point that needs to be spoken about a lot. Because Lemaisa, the Torah tells us that his name became Moshe. He really had a lot of other names. Tuvia had a lot of other names. So why did Egyptian princess, I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu, that's the name. How many people do you know named Moshe, right? Moshe was named by an Egyptian, not by a Jew. So that name stuck. And the Torah tells us, forget all the other names, Moshe Kimina Maya Mishisiru, because he was taken out of the water. And that name stuck. And we know the name of a person, that is who you are. And many times your parents will fight, name after this one, name after that one, name after no one. And it always says that when it comes to the girls to getting called up to the Torah, they send down the name, and that's who your father's going to name you. And by a bris, they can argue and argue and argue. When it comes down to the bris, it's the name that's going to come down to name you. Your name is who you are. If it's Esther, it's Esther. It's Nister. If my name is Zechariah. It's Zechar Hashem. All, all my, all, everyone I go to, Zechar Hashem. You have to, when you speak, you have to make everyone remember that there's a Hashem. It's my name, it's Zechariah. 
Right? So everybody's name is their source. Now we know this is very interesting. Last week's parsha. So Yaakov benched, Yaakov benched Ephraim and Manasseh. Now you all know the whole story with the switching of the hands. Right? But there's a very big kasha on that. Lamaisa, what happened over here? Manasseh was the older. Ephraim was the younger. Yaakov Avinu put his right hand on Ephraim, the younger, and his left hand on Menashe. So Yosef said, you're making a big mistake. You have to put your right hand on the older. It's not, it's not nice. And Yaakov said, I know what I'm doing. So Rashi says, Rashi says that because from Menashe came Rishayim. Kings, much later, thousands of years later, from the Shevet Menashe came very bad kings in Navi that were over there by the Zara. Who came from Ephraim? Yehoshua ben Nun, who stopped the sun and made the biggest Kiddush Hashem. But everyone knows, we say by Hashem Husham, you can't judge a person by what's going to happen by his great-grandchildren. So how could Yaakov not put his right hand on Menashe? You, you, you can't take it out on Menashe that in a thousand years from now, because you have Ruch HaKadosh, one of his children is going to be a Russia or two of his children. That's not why you punish him. Why are you punishing the kid now? You have to judge a person by what he is now. Not the future. The future can change. Maybe they'll do tshuva, right? Maybe Mashiach will come in between. They won't even show up. It's the big kasha that he punished Menashe, sort of, by not putting his right hand on Menashe, because from him, later on, later on, later on, it's going to come out bad. It's a very beautiful tarot, which is a riot to this whole thing of Moshe. And the Teretz is that you have to look at the name of Menashe. And if you look at Pasha's Miketz, when they, when they named Menashe, when Yetzirah Tzadik named Menashe, so he named him Kinashani, because here, Vayikra Yetzirah Hashem HaBachar, Menashe, Kinashani Elohim is called Amoli, but it's Bavi. Because he made me forget, Nashani means forget, because Hashem made me forget all my pain, and my family. So he called him Menashe. Veshem Hashemi, Kare Ephraim. The second one he called Ephraim. Why? Ki Hifrani Elohim Be'eretz Ani. Because Hashem remembered me and he multiplied me in the land of my pain. So Yaakov said like this, beautiful. Yaakov Levinu said, I cannot put my right hand on the head of, of Menashe when his name, right, his source, that's your name, Kinashani, that I forgot my family? That I forgot my pain? That is not a bracha for the generations that are going to bench their children every Friday night. Not because the name means that I'm happy that I forgot my family. And I'm happy that I forgot my pain. A person doesn't go through pain to forget it. We're not supposed to live in our pain. We're supposed to learn from our pain. But he said, to put the right hand on the name of forgetting your family and forgetting your pain, that will not work in our dirish. That means we should forget the Holocaust. We should forget the pain. We should forget all the stuff that our families got, went through to get us here. He said, that you cannot put on the right hand of the person who benches so the name Menashe was the reason. It wasn't because generations, generations, generations later. So I'm now punishing you now. I can't bless a person whose name stands for forgetting your family and forgetting your pain. But I could bless the right hand on the head of the person that's Ephraim. Because Ephraim stands for that even though I'm in pain. And even though I'm in Gullus, I realize 
that Akash Baruch Hu is doing good for me. So Yaakov Avinu said, I can't switch my hands. My right hand has to be an Ephraim. Because his source of who he is and his bracha comes from his name. And his name is much different than the name of Menashe. And that's why he didn't switch his hands. So Moshe Rabbeinu's name was Kimen Hamayim Mishisihu. What is that? Moshe Rabbeinu, he is our teacher. What is that for us? A girl came to the Nile River. And there's a baby. And it's crying. And it's the enemy. It's the enemy. And she is the daughter of the man that said, no Jewish boy is allowed to be kept alive. But she has pity. But at the same time, he's way out in the Nile River. She's this little girl. And what she says, and this is very, very important, she puts her hand out. Now, the Medrash is not lying. And we all learned that she put her hand out and it stretched. And I was, I was always thinking, when I was a kid, there was a cartoon called Gumby. You could stretch him, you could pull him, right? And I was like, she put out her arm and it just kept going and going. No, the river's big, right? And going and going, she outstretched her hand and it, her hand grabbed onto and pulled it back. I'm like, okay, but what's, that's a story. What's the source of this? The source of this was she wanted to save that child. She physically couldn't. Without a miracle, she physically could not save that child. That child was out in the Nile River. She's sitting on the banks of the Nile River. What Akash Baruch was teaching us, and the Torah teaches us, like I spoke to you last week, the Torah teaches us lessons. You're never guilty if you try to save someone, you try to help somebody, and you can't. But you're guilty if you don't try. She put her hand out. Nobody else did. She knew that it was impossible. But when she put her hand out, what she was saying to Hashem is, I really want to reach this child. I can't. Physically, my hand goes still here. I can't. If a person wants something enough, Kodesh Baruch will make it happen. So I was thinking to myself, why didn't the Torah tell us? She came. She put her hand out. Hashem brought a wind. Right? Her hand stretching half of you don't even believe. But her hand stretched all the way across. You're like, ah, I don't know. It must be a medrash. must be a symbolism. Your hand, how does it stretch 20 feet? I mean, come on. Right? Lamaisi could happen because the Yamsef split. Hashem did a lot of Nisim. But why not Hashem just make it easy? She put her hand out. A wind came. Blew the basket to her. She took it out of the water. Because of course, Baruch, what he was saying here, what he was showing us here, is your hand that she put out. That's where the miracle is going. Not a wind, but the hand. She put out her hand. I'm, if you put out your hand, that hand will have the ability to do anything. So whether it's a symbolism or it happened, the, the point of it is that if you put out your hand and you want to save the person, your hand will save the person. And I've seen it many times in life. You have to have the real want, not... Yeah, I'd love to help kids. I would love to give tzedakah. I'd love to be part of this. And it never happens. You have to take an action. She put out her hand. It was an action. She didn't sit at the edge and say, come on, God, send it over here. You know, she didn't say a prayer, you know, a wind. She said, I will do everything I can as a human being to help that child. 
Hashem, my hand doesn't go further than this. Now you have to step in. That was Moshe Rabbeinu. He was the source, which we're going to see soon. He was the source of that name. That was the name that had to stick. That's who he was. Kimin Hamayim Mishisuhu. The water didn't bring him to me. I pulled him out of the water. That if you want to do something, there's no stopping you. And that was the holy kuach that we're going to see between him and Hashem, where he didn't live up to his name. Where Hashem said, go to Mitzrayim, and he said, I can't. And Hashem's like, what do you mean you can't? Your name comes from I can't. It comes from I can't, but I could. And I did. You are the guy. Instead, the source of his name is that I, I pulled him out of the water. He had a name, Tuvia. He had a Jewish name, Tuvia, because he was born Kitoiv. He had six other Jewish names. And we kept the Egyptian name, because that's who Moshe Rabbeinu became. And that's why, by every Maka, he had to hit the water, he had to lift the stick. Why do you have to lift the stick, hit the water? Say, Dom, Spadea, like we do on Pesach. Kenim, no girls. It doesn't work like that. You have to take action. You have to make a move. It doesn't work cerebral. It doesn't work up here. I'd like to, I want to, I try to. No. You have to take an action. So Moshe Rabbeinu understood that when he came, he, I couldn't hit the, I can't hit the water because the water saved me. Which is a whole other schmooze. Right? He understood that. Everything he did, what, what are you holding? A, you, 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 you're holding a stick up to Shemayim and stuff. Just put your, just say Hashem Barad, Arba, Choshech. What's with the stick? So he had to, it was deeper than that, but I'll, I'll get to it. But he ha- you have to take an action. There are so many of us that live our whole life talking the game. Talking the game. I remember when Ornava started, we figured that Ornava will be run. I won't have to spend any money on payroll. Volunteers. Girls love to volunteer. Volunteers, volunteers, volunteers. And every time we need the volunteers, we call for volunteers. And they said, Avivi, call me. Daphne, call me. Call me, call me, call me, call me, call me. We never had any volunteers do anything. Tonight, Baruch Hashem, they're helping us out. But we're not a volunteer organization. We're still trying to figure out, like High Lifeline, all these other organizations, they're knocking down the doors. Just let me in. And here, we can't get volunteers. And it's because we all want to be, everyone in this room wants to be a volunteer. Everyone in this room wants to teach a little child. Everyone in this room wants to visit someone in a hospital. Everybody in this room, right, if, you're, if you come from Avram Avinu, you have chesed, it's in you. But when we look at ourselves, we're like, how come I'm not doing it? Because you didn't take an action. You didn't stretch out your hand. You're standing on the side saying, come on, come on. You know, win, bring him in. That's not his name. That's not his name. She stood up and said his name. I took him out of the arm. I put my hand out. I took an action. Not the water blew it to me. I came in. I slept him out of the water. I was a miracle. What do you mean, you? Hashem stretched out your hand. No. Hashem can't stretch out my hand if it's facing this way. Then if he stretches it out, it just hits the floor. If my hand's not like this, you can stretch it out all you want. It's just going to hit the floor. So I put my hand out. I put my hand out to grab this baby. Hashem, you stretched it, but I took the action. You made it work, but I took the action. Not all the talk 
That's not the main thing. Ela Hamaisa, doing something. That was Moshe Rabbeinu. He became the doer. Not the talker, but the doer. And that's why Hashem actually punished him when Hashem asked him seven times to go and help the Jews and he said, I can't do it. How could you say you can't do it if, if the whole reason you're alive is because somebody said, I could do it. And that's your source. And that's your name. And that was the vikuach between God and Moshe Rabbeinu. Let's, let's take a look at it from inside. Okay. So he goes through a very hard time. I, I've spoken about this already. And he runs to Midian and he runs to the desert and he's done with people. He saved a Jew. Then they ratted on him to try to kill him. He saved Zipporah. Yisrael put him in a, in, a, in a dungeon. Whatever he did for somebody, the same person who he did it for ended up hurting him. So where do you run? You run to the desert where nobody hurts you. Where you're alone with your sheep. Okay. So, what happens? The snare. By the way, we'll talk in Meshachem in the weeks to come. That Moshe was a Gilgal of Hevel. And if you look at, in Bereshit, it says Hevel was a Rayat sign. So, what happens? He's taking his son in the Midbar because he didn't want to steal. He didn't want his son going to other people's fields. And the Midbar is Hefker. And Amalek showed up in a fire in the Sneh. And Moshe Rabbeinu saw, and there's such deep stuff in this passage, such Kabbalah. The Sneh, this thorn bush, was burning with fire. But the bush itself wasn't being eaten, wasn't being destroyed. He sees this bush is burning. But the bush itself, the leaves are staying green. There's, not, there's nothing happening. It's not burning. And Hashem saw the Moshe Benu stopped. And he looked at the bush. So it seems to be that Hashem would not have spoken to him had he just walked by. He had to stop and look at the bush in order for Hashem to speak to him. That's what the Pasuk is saying here. Hashem saw that he stopped to look at the bush. And he said, So what happened over here? So Coach Baruch said, the first, thing, the first thing that needs to happen, if you want to be a leader, and he didn't want to be a leader, but if I'm going to pick a leader of Israel, if something's not, if something's wrong, if something's going on and it doesn't look right, if you, if you just walk by it, like in New York City, you can put out a clown red nose, with a big hat, stand on a corner, and everybody used to have a show called Candid Camera. Everybody will just walk by. They will not stay. It's like, look, it's New York. Huh? Crazy people. No matter what, you can have an elephant walking down the street. Oh, Bob and Bailey's here. Okay. Yeah, they're walking to the, they're walking to the garden. Right? You just keep walking. Think, first thing of a leader, first thing of growing, first of becoming a Rebbe, first thing of understanding and becoming close to Akash Baruch Hu, you have to stop. And you have to look at things. And you have to wonder why. It's number one thing. If you listen to most of my shirim, my butterfly shirim, everything, it was always a question of why does the butterfly go through metamorphosis? Why does a, 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 a pearl come from a, from a, from a, not from the ground, but from an oyster? Why, why does a, a, a fly that lights up while he's flying, what, what's the deal with that? Like, well, you know, we, as little kids, you see this all the time, right? And we had a whole share on that. And people were like, wow. A, a, a whole share on all we used to call them lightning bugs, right? And these bugs that light up that you put in your jaw when you're a little kid. What's going on over here? Nobody asks any questions. You go out in the summer, get these bugs flying by, light, light. 
What else lights up? Elephant lights up? A cow lights up? A bird lights up? You light up? Nobody lights up. Where do they, where do they recharge? Where do they plug into? Right? You, I'm sure you've all seen a firefly. Right? Did you ever wonder? Hashem, you just decided you had some electricity left over? So you stuck it in a bug? So why does a bug, why does a bug have a fire in it? And why doesn't it get burnt from that fire? And what's going on over here? But you're not solaris. You walk right by, it's a bug. I don't need to understand it. Of course you need to understand. You think Hashem will put a light in a bug for you not to ask that question? So me, it bothered. What's the deal with this bug? Why does he light up? So I went and I looked it up. That's unbelievable. Why does he light up? So it says, the reason he lights up, you ready for this? And I tell this to kids who don't believe in Hashem. And don't think that Hashem cares about us. I tell them, I'll prove you Hashem cares us from a firefly. They're like, we thought you were going to pull out a Jewish book. I'm like, no. You can Google, if you have, if you have internet, you can Google the firefly. Listen to this. A firefly, its blood has chlorophyll in it. Now, bugs, I had to go in to the world of bugs to understand this. But bugs eat bugs. Little bugs get eaten by the big bugs. That's how Hashem ran, you know, big fish, little fish, big animals, little animals. So bugs, little bugs get eaten by the big bugs, and they get eaten by the bigger bugs, and they get eaten by the bigger bugs, and that's how the chain works, and that's how they live, and that's how they die. But the bug, called the firefly, its blood has what's called in it chlorophyll. It's the most bitter, I never tasted it, but it's the most bitter bug in the world. So what happens? The big bug comes, and it, it, the reason it eats the other bug is so that it could live. That's how Hashem created the world. You don't, they're not like us. We don't, they, don't, they don't eat for waste. They only eat for, for the use to continue living. So this firefly, right, what happens is if a bug would eat it, it would spit it out. Because it can't eat it, because its blood is so bitter that it would spit it out. So what would happen? The bug doesn't know what kind of, they, they eat, they happen to eat each other at night. Right? And they go from the back. They eat each other from the back. So this bug would see this little bug flying, and it would chomp down on it, and it would go, ew, spit it out. Then it would go to the next bug and, and spit it out. So the firefly would be killed for no reason. It would not be eaten. So Kershbuk would put a little light, a little rear view light, so that when a big bug is flying at night, and it wants to eat this bug, and all of a sudden it sees that light, it knows it's a firefly, and it can't eat it because it's disgusting. It leaves it alone. Oh. Google it. It's not Rabbi Wallstein. It's not a medrash. Wow. So Baruch is worried that a bug, that a bug is going to be killed for no reason. And then spit out. So he put a light, a nice niffler. The scientists don't understand how it works. It's electricity. You can put it in a jar. You shouldn't be tab al-chayim. You put 20 in a jar and you can read a book. And then, of course, every 10 seconds, you, you can't read the book. And then 10 seconds later, you could read the book. That's only if they all work together. If they work separately, you go crazy, right? But it's a nice, girls, it's a, na- it's a nice niffler. It's a nice niffler. So for all those who don't believe in God, oh, it happened, it happened. You're telling me he's not worried about me, and he's not worried about you, and he doesn't care about you, but he cares about a bug that it's going to, maybe at night, something's going to bite into it and kill it for no reason and spit it out. So now i got to create a light, a tail light on this bug that flashes. Firefly, firefly, ugh, don't bite me, don't eat me. So what happened over here? 
for a person to be a leader, for a person to be connected to Hashem, for a person to be a rabbeinu, so lirois. Hashem said, "I'm not talking to him unless he stops and he says, what's going on here?'" Because if you want to be a rebbe, if you want to be a teacher, and you want to be a parent, then when there's something going on, you need to stop and you need to say, "What's going on with this kid? His head is always down." I'm watching a basketball. He's not playing with the rest of the kids. His, his hair doesn't look like it's been washed in a week. What's going on in that house? He's depressed. You want to be a rabbeinu? You want to be a leader? You want to be a rebbe? You want to be a parent? If you're going to walk by something that doesn't make sense, and you're not going to stop and ask why, I don't want to talk to you. Then I can't connect to you. So the Pussy is very clear. Should not speak to him. But Yah Hashem, Hashem saw, Ki saw that he stopped to see what's going on here. Then by Yikra Elokim, and when Hashem called him Moshe Moshe, when Hashem uses the name twice, it means it's a loving discourse. It's a loving discussion. But Hashem said if he walks by and doesn't ask any questions, this is not a Rebbe. This is not somebody who can lead Klyasrael. Somebody who leads Klyasrael has to be able to have, see that the kid put their head down, or the kid always has their head down, or keeps coming back with broken glasses that aren't being fixed. Maybe they need money, and maybe they don't have food. And seeing that the kid's, that he's gobbling lunch like he didn't eat breakfast, so maybe they don't have a breakfast. That's a Rebbe. That's a teacher. That's a parent. That's someone who could be a manig in Klyasrael. But if you could walk by a bush that's burning, and it's not burning, and you don't stop to look then I don't want to talk to you, says Hashem. So now he stopped. And Akash Baruch says, take your shoes off. And the reason you take your shoes off in holy places, and you see in the base of Midrash there were no shoes, is because shoes shows that everything in the world was created for man. You're wearing leather shoes, that means like the animal is killed, we killed, it, we killed the animal, we ate it, we took its leather and we made shoes for us. So it looks like everything is done for us. When you come to a very holy place, you have to show our Baruch that we understand that we're not running the world. It's not like we are the king of the jungle, but that Hashem is doing everything for us, so we take our shoes off. Reverence. Right, but the reverence is that that we're, we're showing you that the leather and all the stuff that we control, we understand comes from you. So when I'm talking to you, Hashem, I'm not wearing shoes. There's other... There's other very deep reasons that the, 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 the human being is on the ground. He's made from Adama. It's a certain connection to his high level of, of, of Ruchnius, of his soul, to the low level of Gashmius. So when you take your shoes, your, your feet, which is your body, which is your soul, the higher, the human being, is the highest level, is touching the lowest level. There are four levels. Domain, dirt, rocks, stones, no life. Tomeach, plants. There's Chai, animals, and there's Medaber, that's us, on the top. Right? Medaba means the human being who speaks. Of course, if you text, that puts you down a level. <laughs> you're not a Medaba. You're just a chai. Yeah, chai, whatever. So, right, because Medaba means a person who speaks, not a person who emails or texts or anything like that. So our greatness is that we're called a Medaba. We're not called a human, we're called a Medaba, we speak. So when you take your shoes off, the Medaba, which is the highest level, is touching the, the daimame, which is the lowest level, which is ground, which is sand. So that's the connection of the high to the low. When you, st- when you speak in front of the Kodesh Baruch Hu, it's all connected. So why do we pray with shoes? What? Right now we pray with shoes, but the truth is, in the Beis Hamikdash, we take off our shoes, and the Kohanim, 
when I when I do and I'm a Kayan, when I do and I have to take my shoes off. Yeah, yeah, my, my shoes are not on. We 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 do in in in, in socks. Shoes is not is not a holy thing. We take our shoes off. And in the base I made Dishkahanim never they were barefoot they were actually barefoot. Totally barefoot. Alright. Anyway, so good question though. So Hakash Bakhu comes to my Shabbat and he says to him, You know what? I want you to go back to Mitzrayim and I want you to take out Kleistrom. So what does he say? like him. Me and Ike. He was a big honor, right? Who am I? That I should go to Paro. I can't even talk. You think I can take Christ all out of Mitzrayim? Because Baruch says, what are you worried about? I'll be with you. And I'll give you all kinds of signs. He still doesn't want to go. So, he asks again Hashem, he says, they're not going to listen to me, they're going to ask me, who did you talk to? How do you know it was Hashem? And they're going to put me through all this. They're not going to believe in me. They're not going to listen to my voice. They're going to call me a liar. And they're going to say, Hashem never appeared to me. So he's fighting Hashem because he really doesn't want to go. And he had a, he, he had a disability. He could not speak. He was burnt very badly as a baby. We know the whole story. We put his hands in the coals instead of the, instead of the crown. And they put his hands in his mouth. And he burnt his mouth. Very interesting medrash. When we talk about eating kosher and how important it means to eat kosher, the medrash says, "Why?" Was, the bottom line is, why was he punished like that? It could have been that on the table was the king's crown and a bowl of cereal. And we'll see if he takes the king's crown. Means he's the one that's going to kill the king. And if he eats the bowl of cereal, means he's a regular kid. Why did it have to be burning coals? What was the idea? Burning coals and a crown. So Bilam, who was the advisor, was very smart. He wanted, he knew this kid was Jewish. He knew that Batya adopted him. He wanted him dead. So he's saying to himself, this kid is not that stupid. He's going to be burning coals, right? Burning to the touch. And a beautiful gold with diamonds for a little kid, right? Gold with diamonds crown. And we're going to say... Pick one of the two. If he picks the crown, oh, that's the guy. Come on. What kid would not pick the crown? Gold, shiny jewelry, and a hot and hot coals. So it was like really set up. But Lamaisa from Shemayim, why did Hashem do this? Unbelievable medrash when it comes to Kashras. So it says that when Batya took him out of the out of the Yamsuf, so he was crying. So what does a woman think of it? Why is the baby crying? He's hungry. Why does the baby cry? hungry. So the first thing she did is, we have to nurse this baby. So she had a bunch of Egyptian women that were nursing, and they they put, they, they took Moshe Rabbeinu as a baby to try to nurse from the Egyptian woman. And the Egyptian woman nursed one drop of milk, says the Medrash. One drop fell on his tongue. And then he pulled away. And he would not nurse from anybody. Of course, we know Miriam brought Yocheved, and Yocheved ended up, his mother ended up nursing him from then on until he was old enough they didn't need nursing anymore. Says the Medrash. Moshe Rabbeinu? You are going to be the one who's going to talk God's word? And you have a drop of non-Jewish milk on your tongue? We have to burn the place that that drop of milk fell. We have to burn it out. And that's why 
when he put his finger in his mouth with the hot coal, he actually burnt the whole front of his tongue where that drop of milk fell, went out and it was koshered. His tongue was koshered. The medrash. One drop of milk of a woman, okay, of a woman, so the whole kosher, not kosher thing, right? One drop of milk from a woman, and Hashem said, if that mouth is going to talk Torah, it has to be burnt out. That drop has to be burnt out. He didn't do it willingly. It was just one drop. He was a baby. He was nursing. Kashris. Non-kosher. It affects every part of your body. Why? Because food, when you take food, where does it go? It gets digested. All the nutrients get sent to every aver of your body, every organ of your body. So if you take something in that's not kosher, it, it's metamptimus alay. It affects your brain, your heart, your soul, everything. So that's why he could not talk. He stuttered and he lisped. So he said to Hashem, you want me to go in front of Haro? I'm going to get up there. I don't want to make fun of my Shabbat So I'm not going to talk with a lisp. I'm going to get up there and I'm going to tell Paro with my lisp and my stuttering that God said you better let the Jews out of Mitzrayim. Now Mitzrayim was the strongest nation. You couldn't get out of there. They had lions at their gates that would rip every person to pieces. They were the most kishav makers. Never did a slave escape from Mitzrayim in its history. Along walks in this Jew stuttering Moshe with a lisp gets up there and says not only I'm taking one I'm taking them all. So what did Paul say? He knew what Paul was. Paul was going to say, hold on a second. Let me see. Yeah, God sent you? Yeah. So how come he didn't fix your lisp and your stutter? You think that a God that can't fix a lisp and a stutter, I'm scared of, he's going to take all the Jews out of the tribe? So Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, I'm the wrong guy. They're going to make fun of you. I don't care about myself. You want to embarrass me, make fun of my stutter, make fun of my... I don't care. But they're going to make fun of you. They're going to say, God's not even a speech therapist. He can't even fix a lisp and a stutter. So I care about you, Akash Baruch Please don't embarrass yourself. So this is what Hashem answers. My pasuk that I always talk about. Hashem. Hashem said, okay, I hear you. You don't want to go. Nobody's going to believe you. What do you have in your hand? What was Moshe? What did he have in his hand? He had a stick. Right? So, he said, I have a stick. What a chutzpah. He's standing in front of Hashem with a staff. God comes and says, so what do you have in your hand? So Hashem wants you to say, it must be asking me a deep question. Um, I can do it to you, a connection to you, right? I mean, if I catch a kid in my class and he's eating potato chips, right? And I say, what do you have in your hands? And he tells me potato chips, I'm throwing them out. And he's eating it in front of me, right? So when I tell you what I, that means, put it in your desk, put it away. I'm trying to send you a message. I'm Baruch Hashem can see you eating potato chips. Don't answer me potato chips. So Hashem's asking, God's coming and saying, what's in your hand? He's holding a stick and he has the chutzpah to answer Hashem. A stick. I mean, if God doesn't know what I'm holding in my hand, we're in big trouble. Because he's sending me down against the biggest army in the world. You better know what I have in my hand. What kind of answer is that? Hashem was saying something unbelievable that we all need to know. Hashem was saying, Moshe Rabbeinu, what are you telling me? You stutter. You lisp. No one's going to believe you. No one's going to listen to you. Moshe Rabbeinu, this has nothing to do with you. What are you holding 
What's the concept of the stick? Does a stick have its own power? The stick is as strong as the hand that yields it. If you're strong, the stick is strong. If you're weak, the stick is weak. If you turn to the right, the stick goes to the right. If you turn to the left, the stick goes to the left. The stick has no power. The only power that the stick has is the hand that holds it. What are you talking about? Lisp, no lisp. You are the stick in my hand. You don't have to do anything. You have to do what Batya did. You have to go to him and try him. You have to tell power what you have to do. I will do what has to be done. You have to take the action. You can't help them from being here in the desert. You have to take the action. So Akash Baruch said, Not what is in your hand. You need to learn a lesson from what's in your hand. Moshe said, I'm a stick. So if I'm a stick in God's hands, then I can do anything. And I... When I speak and when I talk to people and they ask me, well, how, how'd you open the seminary? And I, in, in Shinnach, I mean, just a rough tonight said to me, I don't chop your day. I don't understand your day. You have 24 hours. I'm like, first of all, I have 28 hours. I always borrow from the next day. So I have 28 hours. Somehow it's going to catch up at the end. I'll worry about it then at 120. So when I'm at 120, I'll really be at 121 and a half. Okay, who's going to bother? going to bother any of you? It's not going to bother. So he said, how, how do you do it? How, how, seminary, other seminary, high school, this, that. Well, how do you do it? And I'm like, I don't do it. I don't do it. I walk into school and Hashem does it. I walk into wherever I, in my business and Hashem does it. We are all mates. And if you're going to fight that and you're going to jump out of his hand, says the Pasik, Hashem said, Moshe Ben throw the stick on the floor. Moshe Ben said, okay, I'll throw the stick on the floor. What's a stick out of a hand? A stick. And it became a nachash. became a snake and Moshe Ben got very scared. What was Hashem showing him? You're either in my hand or you're in the other guy's hand. There's no, I'm out of Hashem's hand. So, you know what? I'm a person. I'm not connected to Hashem. So I'm just going to go about my life and be good and do whatever I have. No, Hashem said, you're either in my hand, Moshe Rabbeinu, throw the stick on the floor. Let's see if it stays a stick. And it became a nachash. You're either in my hand or you're in his hand. There's no stick on the floor. You're either in one of the two hands. What a lesson. That was the lesson HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Moshe Rabbeinu. That you're a mate. And you need to understand that. You need to go to work. But don't think you're making money. You need to go to teach. Don't think you're the, you're the teacher. Whatever you need to do. You're not the one. You are the mate. And the more you become the mate, the stronger you become. The more you're trying to get out of his hand, Hashem's hand, the less connected you are. Right? You're not baseball players. When you hold a baseball bat, girls, with two hands... Any kid that goes up to bat with one hand on the bat, he's not going to hit the ball. Just the opposite. The bat's going to go flying out of his hand. You hold the bat with two hands. The stronger you hold the bat, the stronger the swing. The stronger you hold on to Kodesh Baruch Hu, the more powerful you become. But don't think once you let go, now I'm powerful, I can let go, then you become a snake. And this was the lesson that Kodesh Baruch Hu was telling Moshe Rabbeinu. You, you know better than anyone else that all you need to do is take the action. I'll do the rest. That's your name. That's who you are. Why are you giving me such a hard time that no one's going to listen to you? And that's what it says. We say, And I can tell you, the, I, I was a Rebbe half a day. 
So I, I worked a half a day in my business, because that's how I make a living. And half a day I was a Rebbe. So I'd come out of Crown Heights Yeshiva at 12.30, and I would go to my business, I'd get there, let's say, at 1, and I would work from 1 to 5. And then it would come summer, I'm off Yeshiva for 10 weeks. I did more in my business in a half a day, in those 10 months, than I did in my business when I had a whole day to work. It's not you, it's not how many hours you put in. So it's the same thing with Shiduchim. I, I know that a lot of girls don't like when I say this. But it's a fact. Resume, connections, it's all very important. And the very big question on how much you have to do. You have to do as much as you think you need to do because Hashem's not doing it for you. The honest truth is that if you would just sit in your chair, I know you don't believe this, you just sit in your chair and you really said to Hashem, I can't find the shidduch, because even if I find him and I like him, he may be the worst guy in the whole world. I don't know nothing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ani Mamim Be'munashalema, but you're going to send me the right guy, and I'm going to marry the right guy. I'm going to do nothing about it. You will be married to the right guy. But we, we can't do that. It's so hard. We can't let go. Now, you can't just do that when it comes to Shidduchim. Because if Hashem does everything for you and you're just the matter, then business, school, everything else, you have to just do it. I mean, you have to go to school, you have to open the books, but you have to not think, well, this, I need this, I need this, I need this. I know so many girls that have bachelor's and then a master's and then a doctorate and then a this and then a that and then a this and they cannot get a job. Because they think, because they got a doctorate and they got this and they're called doctors, they got this, tonight, tonight, tonight. I came from Staten Island. A woman walks over to me. She says, you have to help my son. I'm like, what's the problem? He's a PA, physician assistant. That's tough. It's almost a doctor. You have to go to medical school. I mean, it's a tough, right? She goes, three years. He's a PA. He doesn't have a job. I said, a PA doesn't have a job? There's no jobs. Now, this kid, when he was going through and through and through it, he's like, I'm a PA. I'm a lawyer. I'm going to get a job. And then a schmendrick, right, who didn't become a lawyer, doesn't, he not, doesn't have a doctorate, he's a CSW, LSW, MSW, doesn't have that, the, the, the PhD and all that, has a great job, he's seeing people privately, he's taking $150 an hour, you can't get in his door, what's going on here? This one has a PhD, 15 masters, can't get a job, this one just came out of school, Mamish made it online, got the masters online from... Razel Wright or whatever it is. This one came out of Columbia, has no job. Razel Wright got a job. What's going on here? So Shlomo Amalek is a riot, there's a God. That's one of his proofs that there's a God, that stupid people are millionaires sometimes, and the most brilliant people are poor and have nothing to eat. He says there has to be a God, because if it works really the way it should be, you're very smart, you should get the job, and you should be, right? The, the owner of Starbucks, I love this line. Not because I'm stupid, I'm not stupid, and I did pretty well in school. But I like the other side. I always like the other side. So this guy, Starbucks, right? Just he's opening now another seventeen hundred stores. I don't know how much coffee people can drink, but he's like, he's like opening and opening. He's getting richer and richer and richer and richer. And he got, you know, if you pay a certain amount of money, you get a doctorate. So he gave a lot of money to a very big institution, very big college. And he, and you know, he got the hat with the tassels with the Gansamaisa. And now he's graduating. He's getting his PhD because he wrote. You know, Pop has dough. He wrote a big check, PhD. He's gay. He wrote two million, ten million, whatever it is. So he gets up to speak. I love this. All the brainiacs in this room are not going to like this, but I love this. And he says the following. 
Imagine he's in front of a huge, huge Ivy League college, and he gets up. He says, I find it very interesting that the A student, that's the best kid, the, the brilliant kid in the profession, the A student teaches the B student how to work for the C student. You know, chap, what he's saying. Listen to what he's saying. The A student, the professor in college, he's the guy who came out of high school, right? He's brilliant. He's the A student, the professor. is teaching the B student, right? He's giving classes in business, business law. Now, who are all these guys working for? Me. I was a C student. So the professor is teaching the student how to work for the guy who failed out of school. And this is what Shlomo Amelach said. And they didn't like that at all. Of course they didn't like that, right? But it's very true. I, when I went into business, I begged my father to let me go to college, right? I wanted to have a degree in, in business, administration, whatever it was. So my father was a very big businessman. He had a huge company. So he said to me, he said, Zechariah, how much is a professor making in college teaching you business? I don't know, a good professor, 150, 120, 130. <coughs> if he was such a good businessman, why do you take a job that only pays him 120? His mashma, he's not a good businessman. Because if he was a good businessman, he wouldn't be teaching business. My father said, you want to learn business? From now on, you go to every meeting that I'm in. You go to the warehouse. You go to the factory. You learn it from bottom up. I make a lot more than 130000 a year. So you want to go to a professor if he's such a good businessman, right? The guy who teaches medicine, he's not. you don't want him to do surgery on your You don't want him to do surgery on your spine. Because he can't do surgery on his spine. He's teaching medicine because he's, he, he has the knowledge, but he wouldn't make a good doctor. That's why he didn't become a surgeon. So at the end of the day, if you really let go, it's like, it's like a sailboat. You put up the sail. They, they have a lot of moon. The Gemara says the, the people that have the most moon are sailors. Because you put up your sail, and after that, you're done. If God doesn't send the wind, you're stuck. If he sends a big wind, you're on the move. But if he doesn't send any wind, you're stuck. So the Gemara says the sailor has the biggest amuna. He doesn't have oars. He doesn't have a motor. He goes into the ocean, puts up a sail, and says, I am done. Now, God, you got to bring the wind. The sailor is the biggest Balmain. It's the end of the day. You want to know how much you have to put in to get it done? You have to put in as much as you don't believe that God's the one who's doing it. So if you believe that God can do everything, then you can be Nachshem and Aminadav, you can jump into the Yamsuf while everyone's watching, and the Yamsuf splits. Hashem says, send me all your problems, silly human being, silly people. You need to breathe? I give you the breath. You need your heart to beat? Your heart has no battery, no recharge. It beats, 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 right? I keep your heart beating. You need your brain to think? I give your brain to think. So, if I'm doing all this already for you, why don't you just let me do the rest? And the silly human being says, well, the heart to beat, and the brain to think, and the blood to run, and everything that goes on in my body, uh, that you can do, I trust you. But um, to make money? No, 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 you can't do that. I got to do that. That's what Moshe right now, because Moshe Rabbeinu is now going to go on a trip and do 10 makos, according to some 250 makos, split the yam, go up Shemayim, not to eat for 40 days. He's going to do one miracle after another miracle after another, and it only can happen, it only can happen through a person who understands that he's a mata. 
Because if you don't understand that you're a mater, that you're just a stick in God's hand, you're going to interfere. Moshabenu, you can't interfere. So Moshabenu at this point said, oh, this is a very different story. I'm just a mater. I'm just a mater, then I could do anything that God does because I'm in his hands. And that was the source of his name. That's the name that Basha got. It was impossible to pull you out of that water. It was impossible. I left it to God. I put out my hand and you were five miles away. And I said, I did mine. I'm just a stick in your hand anyway, Hashem. You take care of the rest. And all of a sudden it says with Mamash and her hand was on the mata. On, on, the, on the boat. And it was very interesting. She had saras. She had leprosy. She went down to the water to go into the Nile River because she had leprosy. And it says that the minute her hand touched the, the basket that Moshe Rabbeinu was in, her whole leprosy went away. Hey, right, nice. Okay. So, that's, that's not Medaber. That's not Medaber. That's still Chai. That's, actually, that's Doimeim. That's Doimeim. Okay. So let's end with this. Let's end with this. Beautiful. Let's end with this. It's fine. So he says like this, listen to this everybody, we're going to end with this, but if you're going to make noise, I can't finish. So he says like this, he still does it, after this whole story, after this whole story, he still says that I can't talk, right? And of course, Rocha says the following. He says, he throws it on the ground, it turns into a snake. Let's find the Pasuk. Ah, well, Hashem, I hear what you're saying. I hear that I'm a stick, but I cut his and he begs him. He's so nice. He says, Be Adonai, please, Hashem. Please, I hear everything you're saying. I can't talk. It's like when you ask the kid to get up in front of the class and make a speech, and the kid stutters, right? You don't ask him to make the speech because you know that he stutters. So he says to Hashem, I cannot speak. I am begging you, let somebody else speak. Or, Cure me. Cure me. Take away my lisp. Who gave you a mouth? Who gave the person the, able, the ability to see? Who gave the ability to think? You go and I will be in your mouth. So I give this lesson to all my teachers every single year before we start school. At the end of the day, Moshe Rabbeinu, after all this, the best therapy lesson in the world, you're a stick, and you can do anything. Wow! He says to Hashem, I can't talk, I can't get past my disability. I, I, I hear everything you're saying, but I'm stuttering. So if, so if the truth is that I'm a stick in your hand, so fix me. So fix me. So if I'm a stick, you can fix the stick, fix, fix my stutter. He asked Hashem, please fix me, then I have no problem, I'm going. Hashem said, no, I'm not fixing you. I'm going to be in your stutter because I can't fix you. I could, but I'm not going to. Because if I'm going to fix you and you're going to get up there and give a speech and you're going to be a big orator, Mitzrayim's going to say, you know why we let the Jews go? Because they had this guy Moses. He was a great Magid, a great speaker. He talked us into it. Hashem said, no. They need to know that I'm the one who took Kleistral out. So you got to go up there that no one's ever going to say that you are a smooth talker. So you're going to have to stutter. Your disability is your greatest ability to do your shlichus, what you need to do. And I tell my teachers, the only mouth that God decided 
to talk to Peh or Peh was to a burnt, twisted, lip, tongue person who couldn't speak, who lisped, who had a disability and a defect in the way he spoke. Hashem said, that's the mouth that I want to talk to. Peh or Peh. That's the mouth that I want to kiss. It's a crazy medrash. It says Hashem put his lips, whatever that means, I don't know what that means. He put his lips on Moshe Rabbeinu's lips to take his soul when Moshe Rabbeinu died. Those were the lips that Hashem kissed. Not the perfect lips, not Aharon who could speak perfectly. He wanted to talk to the one person in this world who could not talk. So I tell my teachers, don't ever forget that the one that God chose to speak Pelpeh was the one with a disability. Because a person's disability that he has in this world was given to him to have the ability to use it, to overcome it, and to help others. And each one of us needs to know that any time that you put your hand out to do something, to help another, even if you don't have the money and you don't have what it takes to help them. And I tell that, but I, I can't do Kiri, but I, don't, I can't talk to this person. I'm like, she couldn't do it either. Her hand didn't reach him. She could not save this baby. But Hashem could. But Hashem wants you to show that you want to. That was Moshe Rabbeinu. And it says that every girl and every man that's alive today that learns God's Torah, the only reason that you're able to is because you have a nitzitz, you have a DNA marker, a gilgul, a piece of Moshe Rabbeinu. You have what piece of Moshe Rabbeinu says Rav Chaim Vital? The piece of Moshe Rabbeinu, Kimen Hamayim Mishisihu, that nothing in life is impossible. Sometimes to get it done, you have to let go. And you have to let Hashem do it. And you have to say, I am the stick in your hand. Baruch Hu, I need your help. And if we do that, then we'll talk to see, just like they got out of Mitzrayim, they were very short of Mitzrayim, just Shmos for Aaron Bo, they were gone. Three Pashas. They were in, they were out. Because at the end of the day, their leader, Moshe was a person who understood, Klai Yisrael, stop fighting. Just lean and leave yourself to God. And if you do that, then you are as powerful as Him. Because you are His extension. We are all in this room, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's extension. We are all His Mateh. Please, I'm begging all of you, stay in His hand. Don't leave his hand, because if you jump out of his hand, and I can tell it to you from my experience, that anyone who jumps out of Yiddishkeit, that jumps out of this beautiful Torah, and this beautiful Judaism that we have, they don't stay good people. They come, they become very different people. They go into the hand of the other side. There's nothing in between. Stay in Hashem's hand. You are the Mata. You have the power. You have the Kayach. May we all be zeicher to see the great leader, Moshe Rabbeinu, at the head of the line, coming to the base of Midrash, with the coming of Mashiach, Bimheribi Amenu, Amen, Kenyaratsa. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.